Hello, and welcome to Becoming, hosted by Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. This podcast is focused on helping you become the best version of yourself. And no matter where you are on that journey, we hope to bring you one step closer with every episode. Now, please join me in welcoming your hosts, Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. Welcome to Becoming. In today's episode, we are excited to have Navid Shan on. Navid is a physical therapist, a strength and conditioning coach, and a strong man, which I can't wait to talk about, and someone with a strong passion for philosophy, which we also can't wait to talk about. So, Navid, thank you for coming and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm really excited to, to talk to you too um, about you know fitness, philosophy, and you know keeping the body maintained and, you know, living a happy life. Yeah. So it's so essential to live a happy life. Um, just so our, our, our viewers can kind of get a little um, background on you. Why don't you just give us, like I like to say that your elevator speech, um, who, who, what's your background and, and how did you come to be, to get interested in, in these subjects? Sure. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, right now I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I'm a board certified orthopedic specialist. Um, and I also work as a strength conditioning coach, um, and, um, a wellness specialist. Um, I really, I've been in this field since I'm 35 now. I think I jumped in when I was about 21 years old. Um, so I've, I've been doing it for a little while. Um, I started off as just a, a personal trainer at a YMCA. No, I didn't even start off as a personal trainer. I started off as a fitness attendant, um, when I was uh, 17, 18, I was, I was about 250 pounds. I think I could do maybe 10 pushups. Um, oh I was pretty, I was, Sounds I, don't, I, w- I don't, I don't want to be like negative or hard on myself, but I just wasn't in a good place physically or mentally. And I found, um, I just wanted to change one summer. I just, you know, I just decided it was enough. Enough was enough. And I wanted to do something better. So I got into, I bought every muscle and fitness magazine. I bought every men's health journal and I just started, you know, that was my research. I didn't know any better. I didn't understand, you know, exercise physiology, strength conditioning, but you know, that was enough. And I ended up, you know, losing a lot of weight and I became really passionate about exercise, really passionate about fitness. Um, I went into school initially thinking I was going to be going into med school. Um, and you know, there was a few different, um, I got kind of lost during college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do purely. I didn't, I knew it wasn't medicine, um, but I wanted to do something in wellness. So I took a little break. Um, and during that break, I was working with a personal trainer or working as a fitness attendant, I should say. So I was washing, I was, I was cleaning down all the, all the equipment. I was cleaning down the machines. I was talking to people, uh, come into the gym and I was really excited to be there. That was like an amazing job for, I think $7 an hour. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I was really happy to be yeah. in the gym and I, I realized, you know, I can do more. Um, I could do more than what I was doing. So, um, I really got into strength conditioning. I really started learning from different mentors, uh, getting more into the research and the more scientific evidence-based practice as far as, um, strength conditioning, exercise, physiology, nutrition. And I decided to go back to school. Um, so I, I went back to ASU. I got my degree in exercise and wellness. And I wanted to continue uh, to help people in a different way. And physical therapy was a good meld of that um, because one, it was, uh, it was a way to help people from a healthcare standpoint. People come in, you know, debilitated, not being able to move well, or they're in a lot of pain. And I wanted to do that. And I wanted to blend in my, my time as a strength conditioning coach, as a physical therapist. 
Um, so I started working, uh, kind of combining the two. And I used a lot of my past experience as a strength coach, as a personal trainer, everything I studied and I implement it, um, into my physical therapy practice. Um, so yeah. So, uh, today I, I work in a couple different, very different fields. Uh, I work, uh, primarily as a physical therapist in the emergency department. Um, so I work in downtown Phoenix. It's, uh, kind of a, uh, inner city hospital, we get a mix of people from lawyers and doctors and CEOs to, you know, people, you know, still high on meth, crystal meth and, you know, overdosing on heroin. So I see a myriad, huge spectrum yeah. of people. Um, and I also work uh, at Fight Ready uh, MMA in um, Scottsdale, Arizona as a strength conditioning coach. So I, I work with a few fighters there who are in the UFC organization and in Bellator. Um, and I really enjoy that. Um, and then I also have my own clinic as well, where I treat um, strength athletes. So that's strong men, that's powerlifters, that's Olympic weightlifters, crossfitters, bodybuilders, um, who have like specific injuries and, um, need like specific type of rehab. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where I am today. I love it. That's an awesome, awesome story. And one of the things that's, well, all of it's so impressive, but I, I love that you, you, you can share the experiences and the frustrations of people that are overweight or people that aren't, don't love fitness and are just blessed with a, you know, a, a metabolism that doesn't, you know, they don't gain weight and, and, and you, how, yeah, not me anymore. It used to be me, but yeah. <laughs> certainly not me anymore. So I absolutely appreciate it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, about that, the, how I think people get so frustrated. They, they, I mean, who wouldn't given a choice, right. Have a, a good mindset and a healthy body. Um, but so many people just either can't get the motivation to start something healthy, or they start it and they just can't stick with it because they don't see the results in a timely fashion. Um, sure. couple of questions. What was it like when you started um, how long did it take for you to see some results would be my first question. You know, I, you know, that my, uh, I, just had a, I don't want to say this. My approach to that has changed over the years. I think initially I was just, you know, I, it was just, you know, stick to it, you know, stick to the diet, stick to the exercise, stick to the regimen. Um, I think, you know, I can only speak for myself. I'm very much a creature of habit. I like mm -hmm. things you know, doing the same things, the same schedule every day, this eating the same foods, eating at the same time, working out at the same time. And it bugs me when I get out of that routine. Um, mm -hmm. although that happens quite a bit. Um, so I think, you know, it's really hard to get started and it's really hard to, you know, base it on results versus, you know, it, it's so difficult, like, you know, getting started and you're like, I want to lose 40 pounds, or I want to, I want to be able to run a mile or, I want to, I want to have a six pack, whatever it may be. Um, and it's really hard to look at that end goal. So I really, my approach. And when I talk to clients, when I talk to patients, when I talk to the uh, MMA athletes, it's a day by day, we're just focusing on what can we do today? What habits, if you, if you succeeded at the end of the day, if you were able to get through, we'll say the MMA athletes, if you were able to get through, you know, your striking training, your strength conditioning, you were able to eat well, you were able to get through the wrestling practice um, and you were able to get a good night's sleep. That's a win. That's awesome. If, you know, if you were um, uh, someone who worked in an office and you were able to, you had your three meals already packed for the day, you were able to get up and, you know, if you work out in the morning, you're able to get your workout, you're able to eat 
you know, what you were supposed to do. You were able to say no to the, to the donut at, at, at the office that someone brought in for coffee in the morning. If you're able to get, you know, be able to stick to your, whatever routine, whatever your habits for that day, that's a win. And it's never just a one day thing. It's never a one week thing. It's not even a one month thing. Um, yeah. It's always like a lifelong thing. Um, you had uh, Trevor Cashy on the, on the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he, I, he has a quote. I'm, I'm probably bitch, butchering the quote. He's like, I don't care about your one month before and after photo. I care about your 365 day before and after photo or something like that. And it's yes. really a process. It's a long process. There's never a, a end date to wellness or health or anything like that. Uh, it's something you continuously do. Yes. I, I love that. And it may, Cust and I talk about wins all the time where it's, yeah. um, whether it's business or it's in life, um, you know, we, we are always looking for that end result and we forget about the day-to-day stuff. Like what's the win for today? What, what did we accomplish that actually we're proud of? That was something that we didn't do the day before and not to get so ahead of ourselves that we one don't enjoy it, two aren't noticing or, or you know witnessing or learning what we're going, what's happening along that way, um, and then you don't lose the um, the motivation if it's not just the end goal. Yeah, because oftentimes absolutely. you get to that end goal, you restrict yourself so much that the minute you get there, you know, ninety days later, you're you've got a little extra weight on or you've fallen off your your structure. Um, and you didn't really embody it because you were focused on solely the end result. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we get lost, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that could be of anything. Like, I don't think, uh, uh, like, uh, Warren Buffett, like woke up one day and he's like, I need to be a billionaire. That's my goal. Right. He did the small things each day, whatever his business plan did, whatever his investments were, that's what he focused on each day. You know, he read his books, he did his routine and his, he wasn't worried necessarily about the end goal all the time. He just made a lot of great decisions each day for, I don't know, 50 years or how long he's been working. Yeah. I think the, uh, the key thing there too, is there's a lot of similarities between business and fitness. I, one thing in the beginning, I just want to note, um, I was also 250 pounds around the same age in high school. And then literally same thing as you said, switch just flipped. Everybody asks, and I think this is important because it's like the, the reoccurring question of like, why did you lose the weight? Was there a specific reason? And it's interesting to hear from you because it's kind of like the same thing. I'm sure there's probably deeper reasonings behind it, but more or less, it's like a switch just goes off or one day you're like, I I need to change and do something. A lot of the times I talk to people that were overweight as well. And it's the same thing. It's just like a mental switch that probably, yeah, had different factors and maybe somebody called you fat, or maybe you're interested in another person. They weren't attracted to you. You're like, I need to be in better shape to get that person. That was for me, part of it too. So I, I, <laughs> I try to forget, I think I forget over that po- point when I like talk about it, but it's definitely, I think that that probably happened a couple of times. And then it's just, I think you just get so sick of, uh, and I think Ben Affleck talked about this, but the, the idea of addiction and everybody has a different cure for that too. Everybody's different, but he was for him, he needed to suffer so much where it was the point where he was losing his kids, his family, he lost everything. He suffered so much. He's like, I just need to change. And that might be the wrong way to do it. It might be the right, but it worked for him. So I think definitely in terms of the, the why behind weight loss is, uh, something that might be different for everybody, but there's usually overlapping similarities. So um, absolutely absolutely yeah i think that's you know that's 100 percent true like some people just you know have that fed up i think there's a stand-up comedian tom segura 
Yeah, yeah. He talks about something very similar. He's like, yeah. once you get to the, and it, I don't want to be as self-deprecating and I don't like being people being as negative about themselves. He's like, once you, you'll get to a point where you look in the mirror and you hate yourself and you hate what you see, and then you'll make that change, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want people to hate themselves or, you know, be so negative about it. Um, I have a different approach to that, but it's absolutely true, man. Just like Ben Affleck, just like you and I, you have that, that switch and you're just sick of it. You're like, I need to, something's got to give. Yeah. I think the, uh, the weight loss question to everybody's like, how'd you do it? And uh, like you, of course, that process has evolved over. And what I would tell somebody now is different. What I would tell somebody what I did back then. And I think which yeah. is important that you gotta, you gotta evolve and there's healthier ways to do stuff. But um, I think the overarching kind of umbrella over this is calories in versus calories out is probably the surefire way to at least go in the right direction. And I think that's unfortunately people run into the issue of I'm going to try this diet and I'm going to try this diet. I'm going to try that diet and then five other diets and one works, maybe one doesn't work. But I think the, the idea behind that is they're all just variations of similar things. And more than likely it was that calories in versus calories out, unless you have some like other medical issues, but that was the overarching theme. So I think especially for people that are listening to the show, uh, calories in versus calories out is a, a good starting place. And it's a difficult question to, I don't know if now in your experience, you have a simpler way of saying something that's whole entire weight loss is obviously not a simple thing. It's a, we talk about it in a simple way. It was an exercise, eat less, but it's realistically not that simple of a process. So I think uh, it's important to, to dumb that down for people that are especially just starting. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I find that people don't like that answer. People don't like that. Like they hate, like they give you like a deadpan response where you're like, oh, I just, you know, cleaned up my diet. I stopped. Can I cuss on here? Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. Okay. Like stop eating like an ass. I stopped eating like an asshole. (laughs) I counted my calories. I, you know, I measured my macros, whatever it is. They don't like those answers. They like, oh, the, the trick was water with lemon and, you know, a drop of some Ashagawanda weed or something. And, they like, that's what they want. They don't want that, that very like simple answer. And it's, it is very simple. Like it's, it's not easy, but it's a very simple calculation you make each day with the exception of there's, like you said, there's certain like uh, hormonal imbalance, like people have, you know, thyroid issues, people have are on different types of medication that really make it tough to gain weight or lose weight, things like that. But in general, like that works for 97% of the population. They just don't like that answer. Does this sound kind of familiar, Costa, about what we talked about two nights ago? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think that's an interesting thing. If you want, you, you, you can talk about it if you want, but I think that's a, definitely a... We, he and I were at this event and I was saying something about it. I'm like, I can't believe it. I've been playing tennis for I don't know how many hours a week and I haven't been able to lose a pound. And he said very calmly, you know, how's your, how's your diet? And I said, I eat healthy. And he said, but how many calories? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, and it was true. And so what I did was, you know, one of the things is knowing yourself, right? I need to just go. So I called my nutritionist. He's going to be actually on the podcast as well. I had worked with him last summer. He's awesome. And um, I said, all right, I need prepared meals. He does prepared meals. And Costa had, had recommended some prepared meals. And, and, and so I've got to get back on a structure and I just have to have whatever that portion is, whatever he decides is best for me, that's going to be in my refrigerator. And that's what, that's what I'm going to eat. And I'll get myself back on schedule and uh, not be looking for these silver bullets that as much as I know they don't work, I have tricked myself. Um, so uh, sure. I'm, excited. I'm starting it on Monday. So we'll see how it goes. I feel positive awesome. about it. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. 
Yeah, they're so. I think to dive deeper into one aspect of that, it's like there's a lot of things you can do. I think as if you're already healthy, as like Lisa said, you're working out, you're doing stuff, you're you're eating healthy, which is one thing too. It's like a lot of people's healthy. You might be eating healthy in terms of like the food quality is great too, but you might be eating a huge bowl of almonds or whatever that is. And that adds up to like a thousand calories. And then you just ate it. You've got to eat 2000 calories in a day. Let's say, well, you just ate a thousand calories of almonds. And then you had some meals that you probably did 2000. You had some, maybe you went out for drinks. It's like, oh, that's 2,500 and 3000. And even if you didn't go for drinks, uh, you just ate normal, that calorie portion, you had a smoothie, it adds up. And I think, uh, especially for that, it's, um, it's something that a lot of people like I did for a bit and I, I, I kind of got back on that track, but just like do it for a, a month or something, two months, just so you can see, okay, this is how much I'm eating and you'll be surprised at least. And then you can actually have some data behind it. Then ideally you keep doing it, but at least you, not everybody wants to track calories. It's, it can be a pain in the ass, especially if you're not like super into fitness, but at least you kind of, you can go to dinner and be like, yeah, I don't want that. Cause that has that much calories. I'm, I'm going to stick to this right. and I have a ballpark range and the scale goes up. Then you need to eat less. The scale goes uh, down vice versa. So I think that's kind of a, a bulletproof way to, to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. Um, there was a one quite a lot of like business analogies to fitness. As I was saying before, and I was having this, I was listening to a podcast earlier and just like thinking this kind of through in my head. And it's like a lot of people want to jump from me and Lisa actually were talking about the yes, yesterday too. Everybody wants to jump to the highest level of success. So they want to be like, all right, I'm starting a business and I want to achieve this much financial outcome or my business needs to look like this. Um, and the way you explained it is you said you went from working at the gym, doing something else to then a trainer, then to a physical therapist, and then to MA, and then to coaching. My question to you is, do you think you could have just, and I kind of know the answer, but I just want to hear it, but do you think you could have just, I don't know, jumped into one of those things and all of a sudden got to your end goal of where you were today? Or do you think that regardless, those experiences in the past aided to your knowledge and, and ability to teach people um, at a greater scale versus kind of taking shortcuts to a, a level? Um, you know, I, the answer is no, I couldn't have jumped up. I think all of my experiences, everything I did kind of culminate to where I am now, what I'm able to do now, what I'm able to give, you know, patients and clients. Um, I see a lot of people trying to jump that and, you know, skip those steps, but it's kind of like, um, you know, I liken it to, you know, complex physiology. Like I've taken some, you know, like uh, the graduate level physiology courses I've taken, like pathophysiology, I couldn't have taken that without taking, you know, basic biology in high school. Like, it's crazy. Like, imagine going to a, imagine like us walking into a medical school right now and like, all right, we're going to, we're going to study uh, uh, pharmacology for the cardiovascular system. We wouldn't know 90% of those words. <laughs> We wouldn't know most of the stuff in there. So it's like, there's steps to it. There's, there's always steps to it. You got to learn how to crawl before you can walk. Um, and you know, it's, people always look for shortcuts. People always look for, you know, the easier way to do things. And, you know, for me and for people who are really like, I don't, I, not that I'm like this amazing quality coach, but I, I, you know, I'm pretty confident in what I do. I'm pretty competent in what I do. Um, and it took a lot of work to get there. It took a lot of books. It took a lot of courses. It took a lot of education. It took a lot of networking. It took a lot of experience and practice and repetitions to get where I am. And I think that's it, really important. People kind of negate that fact. And I've seen like younger coaches, they've, you know, they 
they get an Instagram account and they get a gym membership and that's it for them. And they think they can, they can do it, but they don't understand behavioral health change. They don't understand nutritional sciences. They don't understand biomechanics, exercise physiology, so many aspects to it. And you don't need a PhD in X phys to be able to, you know, coach someone, but you do need to have like some basic understanding of, uh, of the stuff you're talking about. Yep. 100%. How did you, how did you get into strongman? Um, so I was, uh, I was, I actually didn't start in strongman. I started in uh, competitive powerlifting. So mm-hmm. a little bit different. So with powerlifting, it's, uh, you're just doing three exercises, um, squat, the squat, the bench press and the deadlift. Um, and the only goal for there for that is you're trying to lift as much as you can for the, for those three lifts. Um, and I was going to a gym, um, and I randomly came across a, uh, uh, this med student, actually, his name is Seth Larson. And we're good friends now. He's kind of challenged me. He saw me, he's like, well, you're doing that, but let's, let's try some other stuff. And, you know, I had this 90 pound log and then we started lifting it and it was so much, it was so much fun. Like, and then actually through Seth, that's how I met Trevor Cashy. Um, and back then Trevor was still, he was, he had just won uh, Arizona strongest man. And he was just a monster. And I saw some of the stuff they did. And I'd always been fascinated by it. I wasn't a big sports guy when I was a kid. I didn't like, I was a, I loosely follow it, but when ESPN was on and those guys were moving cars or picking up giant boulders or carrying like a giant rock for a hundred that I was like fascinated by. And I'd always have this like really like strong fascination with strong fascination with, with, you know, strong man. And once I had that opportunity, my, you know, my friend Seth kind of pushed me. He's like, well, if you're serious about it, there's a competition coming up. You can do it with me. And I signed up and, you know, I competed for my first competition in strongman was 2000, 2014. And I've been doing it since. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love strongman, especially there on Christmas morning, I think, or some every like holiday it's on the TV, but I think strong yeah. powerlifting is like uh, something that, everybody should really do. I, I remember my, my sports conditioning coach in high school, like he had a, his own gym. He would train us, the baseball team, the football team, whatever it is, we would go to him. He, he was amazing. But his one rule was, or one of his many rules was, if you're going to train here, you have to do powerlifting and you have to compete in a powerlifting contest. So he would host a powerlifting thing with like the Massachusetts people. And then uh, any athlete that trained there would have to, we would literally train to do that and do the competition, have the judges there. And I, I just remember being a, a super fun experience, of course, like training for the squat bench and deadlift, even though it wasn't our main goal, we were athletes, but it was still something that, um, he preached the importance of. And I think it teaches a lot of valuable lessons in in, in a bunch of different categories, especially the whole idea of competing and not just lifting to just lift. It's kind of fun to, to do that. Um, how is your training in in terms of the strongman and powerlifting training? Like how how are those different? Um, how did you, Um, So they're, they're very similar. So with most off-season strongman training, it's very similar to powerlifting. So with powerlifting, you typically have uh, four days, uh, four days of training, like two upper body, two lower body. Um, it varies person to person. Some are training program to training program. Some people do like a squat day, a deadlift day, a bench day, an overhead press day. And, you know, strongman is very similar. You'll have a, you might have a deadlift day you'll have like a, a squat, squat deadlift or a deadlift accessory, a second deadlift accessory day. Um, and then you typically have an overhead press day and then, you know, an accessory uh, upper body day. And it varies program to program, coach to coach. Um, but most of the year, depending on how many times a year you compete, 
you're you're doing very things very similar to uh, to powerlifting. It's just getting stronger at those very basic lifts. Um, and then once you get closer to a, a competition, um, you'll figure out what events are in there, and then you start incorporating those. Um, most strongman competitions, they have uh, some type of deadlift event. So that's usually like a max deadlift or a deadlift for reps. That's pretty mm -hmm. heavy. Um, they have an overhead press event. So that's sometimes that's a max log press or a max axle press. Sometimes it's something called a medley where it's three different overhead press variations in a row. Um, then they usually have some type of carry event. So the carry event could be anything. Um, the was the... The weirdest, the weirdest one I did was called a, a Conan's wheel. And I had to carry, I think, 600 pounds with two women sitting on the 600 pounds. And I had to pick it up and hold it in the crook of my elbows and carry oh it. I didn't God. get very far. I didn't get very far. And I think I almost passed out. <laughs> um, and then usually some type of like, um, yeah, usually those are, the, those are the main ones. And then they'll throw something in there extra for um, just for fun, but usually a carry event, a deadlift event and a overhead press event. Wow. So, so talk to us about the, the mindset that you need to be in when you're, when you're in the competition. Yeah. So it varies Pete, like, you know, and you'll see that if you ever go to a strongman competition, you'll have people that are like beating their chest and screaming and panting and getting all ramped up. Um, and then there's, there's some people that, you know, are just stone cold, silent, kind of in, in their own head. And I'm kind of more in that, like I'm yeah. visualizing what I'm doing. I'm focusing on that. And then at the very last instant, I'll get a little bit amped up and then I get into it. Um, I don't really like to make a big show of it. I don't like any extra attention. So I'm not screaming or yelling or anything like that. Um, but, um, yeah. So it varies person to person. Everybody's different. The cool, do you two know who uh, Ed Cohen is? I don't No. So he's probably, he's like regarded as one of the, the, one of the greatest powerlifters to ever live. Like he was, he was just a monster of a guy. He's my height and he has, he wears like size 12 shoes. I'm not a tall guy. I'm like five, six. Um, he's like, a, he's just, but he's just a monster of a man. And I, I remember hearing these stories like him getting ready for a, a, a lift and it would be like a, I don't know, a 900, 900 pound back squat. And he would be just stone cold silent. And, but you could feel the heat just radiating off. Him. Wow. Like it was just, it, and I, I, I'd love to like understand the physiology about it, but it was just like so fascinating to hear some of these things of people like preparing themselves yeah. for a lift. Yeah. I was see, I was into just like watching the videos of like West side barbell. Elliot Hulse was one of them, especially back in the day of like strength camp. Or quality. Yeah. Um, back when YouTube and it was interesting before you talked about like when you started to lose weight, it was, um, I said, how old did you, did you say you were, you're 35, right? Or 32? I'm 35. Yeah. So I was 17. Gotcha. Yeah. So you were saying like picking up magazines, especially in that, that journey. And I think, uh, there were still, when I was, I don't know, I was 20, like, 12 13 it was like magazines were still like kind of there but um i think it's interesting i'd love to hear your thoughts on this too but for me more or less it was youtube like I, I went to youtube how to lose weight and all of a sudden i see these fitness influencers that are uh just kind of it, it, it there's an evolution there first when I, I started it was a lot of just like in the gym footage diet footage and then it's constantly now it's evolved into a vlog and like showing what you drive for a car showing your shampoo showing your hair product and now a lot of those guys have like gone on to open gyms like Christian Guzman's one of the big ones I like that has Alfleet now too. So yeah, 
what are your thoughts on the whole entire YouTube scene coming into the fitness industry and really disrupting uh, traditional infrastructure of the fitness industry? I mean, it's, there's always going to be disruptions and there's always going to be like uh, progressions in how people, you know, disseminate information. Like uh, I remember there's one of my mentors, Martin Rooney. Um, he's another strength conditioning coach, uh, physical therapist, but I remember him telling us about like, you know, it was so hard. They didn't have, they had magazines, but th those magazines were taken seriously, but they had these like rare textbooks that they would kind of pass around. It would be like this secret information that were really hard to get because they no longer were in publication. Um, and then after that, then it was, um, uh, it was magazines or then it was like forum, forum boards or yeah, like forum boards where they would just discuss, discuss things. And they maybe had a seminar, but you, there was no marketing for it. So there'd only be five people that went to the seminars. Um, or uh, Westside, you mentioned Westside Barbell, you used to have to order VHS tapes. And they had this huge collection of VHS tapes that you can buy and then, okay, that's how you do Westside Barbell. That's how they, they do it at Westside Barbell. So you learn those. So it's just, it's just the evolution of technology. Like, so you'll see that. Um, now the problem, and you know, it's always been there, a problem of uh, misinformation and you know, who's right, who's wrong. Because you can be on YouTube and you could see, you know, one, one, uh, one like guy with a six pack screaming at you that, you know, oh, you just need to do these, take these green tea supplements and, you know, eat these special berries before night. And then you'll do this. And then you'll have somebody like, I don't know, Mike Israel who has a PhD in uh, sports science and he'll, you know, break down information very in a very thorough, complex way. Um, but you, you don't know. And, you know, some 16 year old kid, he doesn't know who to listen to. So right. it, that's kind of where it becomes tough, but there's, there's always been like, you know, misinformation or unfounded evidence information on, but it's, it's kind of just, it's normal for societies to kind of progress. And, you know, we get all this information. Unfortunately, we have so much information. It's hard to disseminate now. And it's so easy to access. Like we can go on, we can go on YouTube right now and we can Google how to deadlift and we can have 200 different answer uh, explanations on the deadlift and how to perform it. And we don't really know who's right or wrong. So that's, that's kind of the trouble we have right now. How do you, how do you bring, so when you bring uh, a person in to train, what, how do you start them off? What, what would someone, what could someone expect if they came to you to start so, strength training? So it depends on where they're at. Um, I've, I've trained, I've trained guys that are, you know, have never exercised before, have never, had never picked up a dumbbell before. And you know, it, and then I've had guys that, you know, I, I have a 700 pound deadlift and I want to get ready for strongman nationals and I need you to help me get there. Um, so it just varies person to person. And, uh, it, it but it always comes down to the assessment. So it's kind of like, how does this person move? Where are they at right now? And I think that's a good, you know, that's just my philosophy for, you know, I don't care if it's an MMA fighter. I don't care if it's a strength athlete. I don't care if it's a patient with low back pain. It's where are you at now and what you can do. Um, so we do a pretty thorough assessment as far as like movement. So any like previous musculoskeletal injuries we have to worry about. Um, any, any, you know, movement flaws, maybe they don't have like very good hip extension or maybe they don't have, they don't move very well with their spine or they, they're limited in thora their thoracic mobility or their shoulder, the way the mm -hmm. shoulders move. And we kind of target those because you don't want to build, you don't want to start building on a faulty foundation. So we kind of work on those, those issues, those small issues they have while at the same time, you know, trying to, whatever the goals are, whether it's getting stronger, whether it's getting more athletic, whether it's throwing a harder punch, whether it's, you know, having, uh, 
having more stamina as far as um, strength conditioning and or whatever it may be. Um, and we start building those while, you know, minding any issues that they might have. And that's kind of where my physical therapy brain always kind of kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you stay flexible when you're that big? And, and how like, do you keep the muscles lean and pliable? It oh. just so seems like it's, it's, it gets so restricted when someone gets you know, that large. It's kind of tough. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of there right now where I'm pretty yeah. like, I'm, I'm trying to show the, the, you know, the MMA fighters. Oh, this is, this is what, this is how you need to move. This is, you know, this plyometric. And I'm like, Oh, I just pulled my hamstring doing a broad jump or something like yeah. that. Um, so it's kind of like, it's any, any type, any aspect of fitness. So there's, you know, there's strength, there's mobility, there's speed, there's, uh, there's aerobic capacity. If you focus too much on one aspect of it, you, those tend to get negated. So the unfortunate thing with strongmen is a lot of guys, they ignore their mobility. They ignore their aerobic capacity. So yeah, you can deadlift 700 pounds, but you're getting out of breath going up a flight of stairs right. and same thing, or, oh yeah, you can, you know, you could do a farmer's carry with 300 pound each hand, but you can't bend over and touch your toes. So it's, it's all about maintaining mobility. There's a, there's a, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it's an organization, but there's a, there's a training philosophy based on the functional range of conditioning where it's really, it, it's really cool. And they have some really cool information out there and it's, it's how to maintain mobility. Uh, it's maintaining whatever mobility you have and kind of really getting to those end ranges of how your joints can move, um, how mobile you are. Um, and I really incorporate a lot of that into training into training. And I don't care who it is. If it's an MMA fighter, if it's a strong man, if it's a, uh, aerobic, uh, like a ultra marathoner, we're going to get some mobility work in, um, mm -hmm. because I, it is really important to maintain that. And then are steroids a, a component of, of the competitions and getting that big or is it supplements? How does, how does one get to be that um, particular? Yeah. So it varies. Like I know guys who are on like so much, so many steroids and they can never get off. Um, and I, you know, I've never actually dabbled. I yep. know, like, I, I don't think it's like, uh, I don't have any negative connotations on it. I don't really believe it's ethically wrong. I think it's just a decision people make, but yeah, quite a, quite a few guys, like you look at the world's strongest man competitors, all of those guys are on, on gear on steroids. Um, and it's just kind of part of the culture. Same thing with certain, with a lot of powerlifting, uh, powerlifting federations who don't drug test. They, a lot of the guys that compete, um, are on, are on, uh, anabolic steroids. And, so and it, then, is a, it is a big part of the culture. Yeah. And so then what happens when you see, you see some of these guys in, you know, start to age and they aren't lifting the weights and they have decided to come off the steroids. Um, what effect in just in general, we don't have to be that specific, but overall, like what kind of risk is there or what happens with all that muscle? Um, well, you tend to lose the muscle because you don't, you don't train as much. So you tend to get very small. Like you'll see some of the guys from the, the bodybuilders from the nineties who were on so, so much gear and they get off and they get, they get much smaller. There are some, there are some side effects. Like, you know, there's an increase in hyper, like people tend to get higher cholesterol, high cholesterol mm -hmm. issues or hypertension issues. Um, I do believe, uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but I do believe you could do them safely in a way that that kind of minimizes the, the negative side effects. The okay. other thing is like, there are some people that, you know, if they are, uh, 
they have a predisposition for, you know, mental health issues or they're, they already have mental health issues and they get on some of these things. Uh, some of these uh, substances, they have severe mental health issues. And it is a, it is an issue um, mm-hmm. that I've seen. It's not as common, um, but I, yeah, I've seen, you know, it, a lot of really young, talented guys really did a number on them. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. It makes a, a ton of sense, especially just like having that. I mean, there's no question you're taking steroids, your, your strength's going through the roof, your lifts are going up. You're like, oh my God, I'm doing amazing. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror, you're getting bigger and it's like, wow. And especially I think the mental uh, health aspect of it, you touched upon it is so, such a key component before, I mean, some people go a legal route, some people go through clinics, whatever it is too. But I think the the mental health uh, aspect of that is so overlooked. It's like, it, it's no matter what, when you stop, you're not going to feel like that anymore. And it's tough, I think, for some people to go from, I feel like Superman to all of a sudden, oh, I'm just a normal person and yeah. oh, losing my gains now. And I think, as you just said, a lot of people get back into that trap of more and more and more and they push it more and more and then that's where it gets uh really dangerous and maybe that, that steroid as we've seen the fitness industry there's been examples those that steroids leads to other drugs and other abuses which can lead to a, a snowball effect and a lot of cases where you think more or less you see like a bodybuilder die or this person um have these issues and it might just the thing is everybody's like steroids steroids it's that fault too it's like it might not just be the steroids it could be that but then they got to this and then they were taking this much and then they were taking that and then they're going to uh tractor supplying and injecting iron that's supposed to be for horses and then they just overdose yeah yeah so it's uh absolutely like you'll you'll see a huge like and you know you know there there's people that do it very safely there's people that do it very effectively and you know they're very smart about it there was a a bodybuilder in the in the 80s and 90s who he actually beat Arnold Schwarzenegger at one of the Olympias, but his nickname was the chemist because his like <laughs> steroid supplement protocol was so like was so precise it was it was like it was pretty impressive like a chemistry professor would like look at him and be like oh wow this is really impressive like the protocol you've done but it's it's you know the best advice I got about it um was from an old powerlifter. This guy had a world record bench press at one point. He was like benching 900 pounds at one point. He's like, the thing that I always tell young guys is uh, if, if you get on it, you have to be aware that you're, there's a chance you might not ever be able to get off it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a scary, it's, it's a, it's to me in my head, it's a big decision. Then, you know, it's always a personal decision. It's always what people are willing to do. And some people take it to you know, take it to a stream. Some people take it like, you know, this is something that's helps me better. That helps me with my sport. That gets me stronger that I feel better on. And that's perfectly, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Um, but the one to issue I, I take, the one thing I take issue with is, you know, you'll have these guys that are on the cover of, you know, fitness magazines, or they'll have like some popular YouTube page and, they're selling and they're promoting these supplements or promoting their training program. They're like, Hey, you can look at me. You can look like me if you pay for 49 99, or if you subscribe to my page and you pay a subscription of $10 a month, I'll give you my nutrition plan. I'll give you my programming and you'll look just like me. And it's like, no dude, you're on trend, Devil, test, uh, Anavar, all this stuff. That's, that's what you're missing out. You're not telling these guys. So that's the only problem I see with it. And that's the only problem I take that's the only thing I take issue with is, you know, deceiving like general population because people don't know. Like when I was a kid and I watched Hulk Hogan, I didn't know he was on a bunch of testosterone. I was just like, I want to be, I want to be like him, brother. Like that's what I wanted. It wasn't like, 
I think. Uh, so, what kind of what kind of supplement, natural supplements, um, one do you take, or do you think are important to supplement um, any kind of fitness routine or health? Uh, um, it varies. I'm I'm not a huge supplement guy. Um, I take a multivitamin every day. I take creatine, and I take um, uh, just a protein supplement. Um, mm -hmm. because I tend to, my days tend to be 13, 14 hours. I don't get all my food in. So those are the three I take. Um, I do take uh, zinc and magnesium, which helps me with sleep. Um, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And where do you see yourself going with your competitions and with your, all the things that you're doing in the next number of years? Um, you know, I really like, uh, I really like where I'm at right now and I want to improve, you know, a couple different, uh, facets of my career, as far as a physical therapist, there are some things I want to be better at as far as, you know, for my patients, for my clients. And also, you know, on the MMA side, you know, training my athletes, there's, it's pretty cool to see the progression where it's really mm. become like a true science and everything is measured. Power output is measured lactate threshold is measured, aerobic endurance, VO2 max, these things are measured. It's really like a true science now compared to like 10, 15 years ago when I first started, um, where you kind of just did whatever. And, you know, if it looked yeah. cool, you did it. So I really want to improve those facets, just not for me, for my own benefit, but for the sake of, you know, the athletes I train, the patients I have. Um, so really I'm, I, I'm always of the, the mind of self-improvement of becoming better, of learning more of, uh, app, uh, you know, applying these things we learn. I, I never want to stop doing that. So that's, that's kind of my goal. I'm, I'm 35 now. There's not, there's not a lot of 40 year old strong men who can like, you know, can, uh, can maintain that strength, the, those levels of strength, that volume of the requisite amount of training that you have to do, which I'm okay with. I'm mm -hmm. kind of leaning towards, you know, becoming a coach more so in the next few years. Great. Awesome. Is there one aspect of all the things you do that you, you significantly like more than the other? No, I wouldn't say so. I, I, you know, it's very, it's very different and it's very, all, everything I do is very rewarding in a different, in different ways. Like there was a, a guy in the ER. I love, this is one of my favorite stories. It was last year. There was a guy in the ER. He was like 600 pounds and wow. he got this really bad back spasm. Um, he just, and he was, when you're 600 pounds, it's not easy to move when you're just, getting around but imagine if you're in such severe back pain you cannot you're just paralyzed so jet and this guy they gave this guy morphine they gave this guy muscle relaxers they shot him up with toradol and he couldn't move an inch without getting in a spasm um so we were going we were doing there's a, a a physical therapy uh treatment model called the mdt or mckenzie method mechanical diagnosis and treatment and the only thing i could do with this guy was something called repeated flexion so he's laying on his, he's laying on his back and we're just bringing his knees up to his chest, um, which is called a, it'd be called a flexion responder. So I tied bed sheets to this, each of these guys' thighs and I had him hold each thigh and I'm holding his, I'm holding his feet and we're doing this motion. We're both sweating and panning because it's just, it's just so much work, but he was able to get up and get out of bed. And because of that, we got his pain very wow. much under control. And he was able to get up. We were about to send this guy to the veterinary, uh, veterinary school here to get an MRI or to the zoo to get a CT scan. And then eventually he would have got, had to be sent to a nursing home because he couldn't move. He couldn't get up. So we couldn't let him go. Wow. Home. So like that, or there's a, 
you know, rehabbing an MMA fighter, like the, uh, from an ACL injury and seeing how much he's improved from being, a, being afraid to take a step and throw a punch to this guy is, you couldn't tell he had an ACL injury at all. He's like his, the, the injured leg is much more powerful, much more explosive than the other leg. Or, you know, the other aspect is, you know, in my physical therapy clinic, someone, you know, I saved a guy from getting back surgery because he pretty, was pretty much hopeless. So I get, I get, um, I get a lot of satisfaction from, you know, the very as- various aspects of what I do. It's, it's very rewarding. It's very, uh, you know, it feels very good when you can help people. And it's so um, and different. I, you, it's different every day, right? And and even is. even within the physical therapy, and then you get to train, and you get yeah, that's that's what an awesome way to spend your day, you know. And and, and you love it, and you're passionate about it, and you're learning, and you're making a difference in people's lives, and you get paid. Yeah, and I get paid. I get that's paid. pretty I get ideal, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. It's it's I really enjoy it. You know, I could probably be making more money doing other stuff, but. You know, I feel good about what I do every day. Like each day is a good day. Love it. It's awesome. And what would you say is your overall philosophy on life? Oof. Um, that's kind of a huh, let me think about that one. Um, I think there's a there's a passage in uh, the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Um and I think it's, it's not originally from him. It's originally from a, a philosopher called Seneca and um, above all else, be a good person. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we could be, a, you could be a good person in so many different aspects. You can be a good person by, you know, bringing the trash can in for your neighbor. You can be a good person by, you know, you know, calling your mom a few times a week. You can be a good person by helping someone at the, you know, help like what I do uh, in the hospital. You can be a good person by, you know, you know, selling someone their first home, whatever it is, like, you know, you know, do you, you, you have, you have so little control of the outside world, but you have control of what you can do. Um, so I really want to spend my life and I really hope other people spend their lives, you know, you know, you know, bringing positivity in the world, helping other people, being a good person, doing what they can. Um, uh, I think, uh, I have a few friends that are like single moms and they're just like, no, I'm just a mom. And I'm like, yeah, that's the most important job in the world. Absolutely. Like, and like being a good person and raising good people. Like, I, I don't think there's, there's like a minimal to it. You know, I think and everybody can do good, can make the world a little better. Um, Absolutely. so I guess it my, doesn't, we think the same way and it, that, that doesn't cost any money. Right. So there's no, no there's no excuses for not being kind and thoughtful and um yeah no couldn't agree more yeah absolutely i think that goes into the category too of by being a good person we talk about a lot like there's a lot going wrong in the world of course too but i think a lot of it comes down to and of course me least me and lisa talk about this a lot and it's the whole idea of people are losing the idea of chasing personal excellence and that definitely ties Mm -hmm. into it but just overall just in your life trying to be as best as you can, as you said, as a mother uh, in fitness, as in, in work, just, it, it seems as though that hasn't kind of not become like cool anymore to do that. It's a lot of like the TV shows and the content we see now are like the opposite. And it's like, I'm more and more now, I, this might even lead to a side tangent, but I'll keep it brief. But it's like a lot of the TV shows now I see where people are into, it's like, these shows are so toxic. It's promoting a, a life that is, is terrible. Yeah. We don't, 
like, uh, I know the popular show like Euphoria is like a big one that people talk about and these another show coming up too like the weekends in and I'm wa- watching the trailer I'm like this is a terrible life everybody's in here is just miserable like they're famous but they're just doing drugs all the time and doing nothing with yeah. it <laughs> we're not we're not people aren't building out their whole lives anymore you know they're they're shooting for that one and it's usually centered around money right money and acknowledgement and and we for we're we're lose and I'm speaking in general but losing sight of like who we are, like what, yeah. what what do we have inside that we can give? That's that's um, a humongous asset that people overlook. You know, no one else can be you, me, or, or Costa, right? We, we we are. This is who we are. Like, how exciting is that? Like, figure out who that person is, and then be able to share the, your excess with the world. And then you, it's easier to be kind. It's easier to be generous. Um, you know, kind of that's old expression, you know, take time to smell the, the roses, but it's really true. You know, we get so um, hell bent on that end result that we don't enjoy the process. And when we're not enjoying the process and living consciously, we're, we really aren't learning what we enjoyed, what made us sad, what emotion we, you know, we're, we're, there's always going to be challenges and fears. That's, I think that's, that's why we're here in this experiment called life. And it's about, it's not about, um, oh, geez, let me do this. And then I'll never have a problem again. It's about changing, kind of flipping that script and saying, I'm going to have problems. Let me figure out how I deal with them. Because once I figure out that formula, then I can handle anything. And when I don't, when I know how to resolve problems, then I can be more fit. I can be more balanced. I can be more generous. I can be more kind. Um, And all of that will Will probably end up making you having a little bit more financial freedom because when we l- lessen the reins on these things that we get so hyperly focused on, um, they actually come a lot easier. So um, yeah, and it starts with it starts with us. It starts with fitness. It starts with our mindset. And um, you've you've done a lot of incredible things, and it's impressive that you learned it um, at such an early age because a lot of people don't. 17 is a really young age to, you know, make those kind of changes. So kudos to you. It's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I yeah. can, I a hundred percent agree with you. Absolutely. I yeah. absolutely agree with you. All right. Well, this has been terrific. You're busy as can be. So again, we really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all that information and your background. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch and seeing what's next. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was, it was awesome. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, you got yeah, it. Good luck with everything. This was really cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Becoming. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you in the next episode.